This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, good to have Mike Pickett on. St. John's Country Day girls soccer, 10 in a row, pretty outstanding. And I referenced Carson Pickett, gosh, I think it was a, probably almost two years ago now. We had Carson on the show, and the picture of her fist-bumping a two-year-old boy who was also born without a left forearm, and they both both used their left arms. You might remember that photo, uh, and if you, if you haven't seen it, it's really cool, and it went viral, and we had Carson on that week. And she was tremendous, and uh, she's still a fantastic player, obviously playing pro soccer. So really cool story out of St. John's Country Day. Uh, the Pickett family, how good the program is, uh, really good people as well. And uh, St. John's Country Day boys team now playing for a state title. UNF uh, men's basketball team delayed a little bit today because of COVID testing, got hung up a little bit. Uh, there was supposed to be a 2 o'clock game. I think it ended up going about 2.40, and they are into the second half. A-Sun first round, which is essentially the quarterfinals. And uh, last check, the Ospreys were winning. I'm just trying to get an update. They were winning by a couple early in the second half. So we'll keep you posted on that game. And uh, Ospreys looking for a big win. They are the four seed. They're playing North Alabama, the five seed. And here we are in March. I mean, you, you win three games if you're the Ospreys and you're dancing. It sounds, could, it sounds good, doesn't it? That could happen by Sunday. Now, there's been a lot less. I call the games, or some of the games, not all of them, I call some of the games on ESPN Plus for the Ospreys. And they had a lot of issues with COVID testing. They went up to Liberty one time, had to turn right back around and go home. I mean, they made the, the bus ride like seven hours, had to turn around, come home. And then they later on, the conference altered the schedule and they went back up to Liberty and ended up losing two games up there. So it, it's just a wacky year in all of college basketball, but they're doing their best to get it in. And right now the A-Sun tournament's underway and the Ospreys uh, with a lead in the second half will keep you posted on how they do. But again, simple as this, it's three wins away uh, from, from dancing. And once again, for Matthew Driscoll and the Ospreys, they are not the favorite to do that. Uh, Liberty is once again very good. North Alabama, actually who they're playing, had the lead – um, early on in conference play, uh, they have since faded. They're now in fifth. Bellarmine, who is new to the conference, they are good. So if you look at Liberty and Bellarmine are the two top seeds, and those are newcomers over the last few years to the conference. Liberty, very good. Liberty plays with a whole different deck of cards. I mean, they have a huge budget. And I've seen projections where if they win, They'll be like a 13 seed. Last year, they won as a 12 seed in the – oh, not last year. It would have been two years ago now in the first round of the tournament. So they're legit, and we'll see if uh, the Ospreys could pull the upset and potentially uh, find their way to dance. But they have to first uh, win the first round game, which is going on right now. Ironically, UNF and JU are hosting the tournament. JU is not playing because of COVID problems. They had to bow out of the tournament, and the Ospreys are playing on their rivals' home court right now in the A-Sun quarters. Yeah. They are playing at JU. So just a wacky year continues all around sports as we go on almost a full year uh, where sports kind of changed um, with the, the pandemic. Speaking of a quick thought or two on hoops, Florida State, I mean, now they're just making it look simple at times. They 
crushed Boston College, which they, they're better than Boston College. They should beat Boston College. Leonard Hamilton got an extension late last week. The thing I want to talk about with FSU real quick is if you look at Florida State the way Leonard Hamilton has done things over the years, people, and I think I probably was in this, I don't know if I criticized, I was just curious. What happens in basketball, in college basketball, you know this happens in the NBA too, yep. but you find a rotation mm-hmm. that you like. Well, early in the season, say November and December, you might mix in a lot of guys. You might play 10, 11 guys. Well, by the time you get to conference play, you're really leaning on like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Not too many teams go beyond that to True. play the most minutes. Now they get foul trouble. They need to do that. Florida State, up and down for the last handful of years and probably even beyond, they're not afraid to go 10-11 deep, yeah. even in conference play. Yeah. I almost wonder if they're changing the way it's looked at. And and what, what they've done by doing that, I believe, it, it feels like. I'm not inside the basketball program enough to know. But watching it, watching kind of this this thing blossom over the last few years for Florida State is it's created almost like this culture. And in a world of basketball and sports and everything's kind of a me culture, Mm -hmm. they have this like ultimate team culture, it feels like, that's really beneficial because everybody knows they've got a piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. Listen, I think when we talk about the success of Florida State and how is that going to translate to the NCAA tournament, I think like year in and year out, we think of the – unanimous like players of the year right like i think back to zion um i think even back to like you know adam morrison i think jim was jimmy Fredette the player of the year the the wooden award i mean he was up there whatever but like, he might have been what, what i'm trying to say is like every single year you know we talk about well this guy's definitely the player of the year and he'll take his team far and usually they go to the first round sometimes the second round sometimes the sweet 16 and sometimes you know to the lead eight but you hardly ever see the team with like the biggest stars win the tournament because it's, it's a team game. Sometimes star players can have off nights. I compare it to, like, Villanova. Villanova, you know, when they've won, like, yes, they have some pretty solid players, but no, that's going to really knock your socks off. BCU, the same thing. Like, BCU had, you know, Van Fleet, I believe, back in the day and stuff like that. But, like, no, like, perennial first-round draft picks, per se, but they still find a way to do it. That, to me, is what Florida State is. And maybe even more impressive than a BCU or a Villanova is that they have the guys that could potentially be first-round picks, but they play a team brand of basketball that can get you so deep in the tournament. I think, listen, a lot of times, if you're good, you usually have a good team, right? The chemistry is there, all that stuff. It, It just feels a little bit different the way Florida State does it. Now, they were up big yesterday, but... I mean, look, they go 21 minutes, 21 minutes, 37, 32, 24, 18, 21, 14. And then you got a couple guys with four, three, and five. I, I think you could even make – oh, I'm sorry. I'm at the Boston College one. My bad. Uh, they're, they're starters, actually. Well, they starters because they had the senior night, so they only played a handful of minutes each. But 16, uh, 19, 23, 11, 12, 21, 16, 24, 25. I mean, look, you. I don't know how many college basketball teams – and again, this was a little bit of a blowout, but I think this is common with Florida State, where if you look the box score up, a lot of college basketball teams will have DNPs. Yeah. Did not play. Sure. Right? Not the case with Florida State. I think their list goes long. The bench <laughs> list is long. And last night, they it's just like the epitome of what they do. They have so many guys contributing, 16 18, 13, 7, uh, 6. 
I mean, you're not having that 28-point night. Mm-hmm. But you don't need the 28-point night. You just have so many different guys that can get it done. Uh, MJ Walker continues to hit three-pointers. They hit 13 of them on the day, so six of nine for him uh, in three-point land. Uh, what a way uh, for him to go out his last game uh, there in Tallahassee. It's pretty impressive with what they do. I mean, they had 19 assists last night. They scored the basketball at 93 points. Uh, again, it was Boston College, and I'm taking this one small sample from last night, but I'm not really taking the small sample from last night. What I'm really trying to do is make it a bigger sample of the last few years. Of course. And I just think it's changed a little bit the way I think about it. I don't know if that's the case for everybody. And, like, we ask, we, we're constantly saying, how did Leonard Hamilton turn it around? Like, why... Like, did we have him being maybe it's time to make a change uh, six, seven years ago to contract extensions at the age of 72? And really, arguably, arguably the premier team in the ACC the last few years, along with Virginia and North Carolina and Duke. No, it's Florida State up there with Virginia. If you look at the amount of wins and what else they've done and what else they've accomplished. And I just wonder if more programs will... Say, hey, you know, maybe we don't need that seven or eight deep. Maybe we can make it work at nine deep, ten deep, yeah. eleven deep. I, I feel like even the, some of the smaller programs in the – like, say, a VCU, you brought them up, yep. and I would have to go look this up. But I feel like they had a bunch of guys play. Like, they had a lot of guys. Oh, minutes, they, they had to. Much of it because of their style, right? Well, because it was uh, Shaka Smart with the full-court press the entire game. That's right. So, so, you, so you had that to have. makes sense. So you got to yeah. come at you in waves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yep. Well, Florida State doesn't do that. They're, they're, no, they're no. not trying to play like Loyola Marymount of yesteryear, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the way, like, uh, just these pressing teams play. Sure. That's just not, not the way they do it. But anyway, Florida State. I think after losing the talent, we've discussed this before, to see where they're at again at the top of the ACC. Now, I think we do have to acknowledge the ACC is not what it's been. I mean, it's not the ACC we know, but that doesn't take away with what Florida State is. Florida State is legit. Mm -hmm. They're good. They have the ability to make a run. Uh, Last year felt like if we had the tournament, they might have won it all. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I don't know if it feels that way. Like, I don't know if they're that kind of good, but they're the kind of team in a tournament that I think has the ability to make that run. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I feel that way, like, wow, they could go all the way. Last year, you could feel like, what was it, Dayton, yeah. uh, who was very good at the time, right? Yep. Uh, uh, you know, Creighton kind of this year seems that way as well, but they just got actually beat big time last night. They did. So, yeah. um, you know, Gonzaga is so good, I don't know if Florida State's on that level. Baylor has been so good, I'm not sure. Like, I, I but when you come out of the ACC and you're like the best team or one of the best teams, or yes. right now they're proven to be the best team in the ACC, you probably have a chance to win it all. No, like, with, you probably have a chance to win it all. Without a doubt, because how many times I mean, we've, we've talked about it, Gonzaga, how many times have, has Gonzaga been ranked like, you know, in the top four, they have the one seed, and then they choke. I mean, we see it every single year. And, and like, I'm not going to say it's going to happen this year, but like they have never won a championship. Sometimes it's the teams that, you know, that, that have the resume that are kind of maybe on the outside of the top three, top four that can make the most noise. And Florida State can definitely be one of those teams. Yeah. That, it looks like they'll get a three seed in the tournament. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more college basketball, of course, as the tournament heats up. 
Florida State, I'm just sitting there last night, and again, one, I, I just don't know if you can say enough about Leonard Hamilton, because I think we have to acknowledge what we were saying about Leonard Hamilton. Yes. Like, that's, like the, I say we, the media. I say, if I say we, and I'm meaning you, the FSU fan, like, go back and what were you saying six, seven years ago about Leonard Hamilton? It probably wasn't nice things. And so to define, like, I think it would be like a heck of a 30 for 30, man, how he turned that program around. How did yeah. Florida State basketball become essentially a powerhouse in the last three or four years it's the same thing people asked about florida basketball mm-hmm. when billy donovan went back to back and he was doing he's like wait a minute what happened to kentucky and this is florida basketball doing these things uh the only big chain difference there for me is it's been the leonard hamilton has been there like the whole time yeah no and he still turned it around like late so and isn't it crazy too because and granted there's still a lot to come around before basketball commits and stuff like that but where florida state uh, sits right now in 2021 in terms of basketball commits they're number one in the acc and number two nationally <laughs> which is so like but like think about this though like this has to be a testament to leonard hamilton because it seemed like back in the day and i still think it applies a little bit like if you're the top recruit in the nation you go to kentucky now, do you, do you go to Kentucky to win a, a, a title? Well, you try, but you go to Kentucky because that's the fast lane to the NBA. That's right. Right? You, you go to Duke if you're like, you know, true, like, like a Zion or something, or RJ Barrett, because why? It's the fast lane to the NBA. You don't get the sense that Florida State is really the fast track to the NBA. Now, if you play good enough over a couple years, yeah, you'll get there. But like, you get the sense that Leonard Hamilton is doing things a different way, and it's like players want to be around that. Like players respect how Hamilton has built that program, and you know they kind of quote unquote think that's the way to play basketball. So like that's why I think he's been so good in recruiting. Like, yeah, the the, the UKs and the Dukes, they're great and everything for the fast track to the NBA, but guys still want to win as well. I wonder this, as you say this, and there's, maybe there's articles on this, and I just haven't seen it. First of all, I think what you said is that people want to play for Leonard Hamilton because he graduates players, and look, I don't think you find a lot of his players in trouble. True. I, I think that's first and foremost, and now they're winning. And so once you build it, it becomes a little bit easier. <laughs> but I wonder this. Amidst all the allegations, Arizona's, uh, heck, even Duke was in whatever with Zion. Yeah. Uh, you know, the um, – uh, who else? Would, I mean, LSU, heck, even Creighton, oh, LSU. LSU yeah. uh, but LSU's not really a powerhouse, you know. But I'm just saying, some of those teams and some of the investigations has Florida State benefited from saying, "Hey, that's a clean program." Yeah, and we're going to a clean program, mm-hmm. like, and or at least the perception is it's a clean program. You know, all that stuff. I wonder if they've benefited a little bit from that. I think it definitely means something. You know, I mean, like, listen, at the end of the day, it's usually the kid's decision, but sometimes parents have the influence as well. And when you're a coach and you sit down, you know, at that dinner table and, and you introduce yourself to that family, like, that means something, especially, I think, in basketball, where, you know, it's not like you have 70 guys or 80 guys on a roster like in college football. No, it's definitely a smaller ro- roster. You get the more one on one time with the head coach. So I think the coaching philosophy and, and the, the style that he purveys means a whole lot more than maybe even football. Yeah, I think I, I think the team thing, I think if you go there, you're not going to get stuck on the bench. You're not going to bring the next guy in and he's going to trump you because now you're you're relegated to, you know, three minutes a game mm-hmm. because they're going to play a lot of guys. Like the ability to play a lot of guys to say, hey, come on, we'll play you. Yeah. We're going to be good. We're going to have three or four more guys like you, but we're going to play you all. 
Mm-hmm. Look what we've done. Look what we've been able to do. And guess what? You're still going to go to the NBA. Look yeah. what we've been able to do. Well, and we're going to win games. Look what we've been able to do. And doesn't now that kind of proof in the pudding, you know? Doesn't kind of take pressure off you a little bit, too? You know, maybe a little bit. You know, some, some of these guys, like, listen, right now, the way it stands, they're getting the 22nd nationally ranked guy in the country and the 28th guy. On most schools, you go there, it's like, okay, you're the guy now. Like, you have to be the leader. Like, you're this good. So, like, yeah. lead us. Go deliver. You, you go to Florida State, it's like, okay, you know, like, w- we have a great team. We we sub in and out. You're, you're going to get your playing minutes for sure. But, like, you still got to earn those minutes. And it won't be so much weight on your back. Like, I feel like as a freshman coming into the game, that's maybe a little bit of a relief. Now, maybe some players embrace that a little more. So, they go to Kentucky. They go to Duke. But other players maybe want to gradually get brought along. Well, it's a great point, okay? I think you bring up a nice point. I don't know how much this factors in or not, but with their stud guy, their one-and-done guy Mm -hmm. for Florida State is Scotty Barnes. Yes. Okay? Mm -hmm. And here's – if I wish I didn't tell you the number, I mean the name first, because if I said, hey, they got this five-star guy, this this guy is a one-and-done, he's a superstar player, and then I give you his numbers, 10.1 points, four rebounds, 4.4 assists, very nice as a freshman, but nothing that says, whoa, this guy is the next, you name it, correct? right? Correct. Well, that's kind of what they allow you to do. You get comfortable, you grow, you don't have to be 22 and 12 assists, yeah. you know. Now, listen, that's fun, too, in some places. But at Florida State, you just don't have to do that. But I don't think it's hurt Scotty Barnes' draft stock is my point, right? No. I think people are still raving about him. If you watch the games and watch him play, you see the explosiveness, the physical nature. I mean, six foot nine, two twenty seven as a guard is <laughs> pretty good. That's like, ridiculous. That's going to translate. That's ridiculous. Uh, but – but I've been – I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched uh, – we heard about Scotty Barnes. And yeah. so – and I've watched some games or I've been listening. Uh, you can catch games right here on ESPN 690. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how many points like Barnes has today. Mm-hmm. And it's like eight. Yeah. And eight assists. I'm like, well, okay, it's a nice day, but I, when's the 32-point game come? <laughs> sure, sure. You know, because yeah. that's what we think about in our star basketball players now. That's a 30-point game or it's something unbelievable. Yep. This guy's just steady. And they don't need him to do too much to be successful because they've got some nice players around him uh, as well. Florida State hoops. I understand. Like we don't talk about it all the time. Is basketball all the time? Heck, I, I still wonder how much they even talk about it in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, but Florida State hoops is really one of the cool stories in college sports mm-hmm. of the last decade, probably. Yeah. I, I don't want to be over dramatic and say go. How, how far back? Mm-hmm. I really think it is one of the cool stories in in, in the last decade. Um, I, I, out of nowhere, in the best conference in America, usually, and I understand it's not that way this year, but usually to do what they've done. I mean, would it really be that different? Name a school like in the Big Ten, right? Big Ten's really good. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin kind of came out of nowhere actually for a bit. Uh, you know, and th- and now they've put perennial teams together over they the have. last fifteen twenty years. Yeah. Uh, but more recently, let's take a team like um, you want like Michigan. No. No, nah, because Michigan's been good historically. Oh, you want like- so how about Penn State? So okay. Florida State, in in a way, would be like Penn State all of a sudden over the next four or five years, yeah. being like front runners in the in the Big Ten. Sure, bigger than Ohio State, Michigan, bigger than um, well, Indiana's been disappointing for the most part anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, all those schools that now yeah. you think about. In hoops, you don't think about Penn State in hoops. Not right? even close. But you didn't think about Florida State in hoops. They were a True. team that meddled in the middle of football the ACC. School. It was a football school, just like Penn State. And Penn State would, I think that would be a decent comp uh, yeah, to, no. to say, what if Penn State all of a sudden emerged into this 
I would powerhouse in college basketball, a team that we talked about as two seeds and three seeds and possible national champs, ACC champs, and these crazy like home winning record like sure. streaks and stuff like that. At five stars and and draft picks, yeah. you just don't think of Penn State. Well, Florida State has has developed into that. That's well, how good it, of a story it is. No, for sure. I mean, I would either compare it to Penn State or Northwestern. The ironic thing about Northwestern yeah, North is they they kind of do that in football now a little bit. They, they have kind of done it on the like, They're, they're kind of. I mean, they're not winning the Big Ten championship, but they're still winning. I want you to think of something. By the way, I don't want to get into it today. Okay. But as we look into March, and when we probably after Players Week, we we'll really talk a little bit more college basketball. Get the brackets in front of us. I was thinking this the other day when we were talking about Joe Lenardi, uh, talking to Joe, Joe Lenardi. Mm-hmm. If you take, uh, like, let's see, Baylor's been good in football, but then they've had troubles in football. Baylor, by the way, is really like the most incredible story in, good. in college, as as good as Florida State is. Baylor, yeah. what they've done to turn around, what Scott Drew's I done just, to turn around that is unbelievable. And listen, with all due respect to Scott Drew, I do not want to see those highlighter uniforms <laughs> in, in, in the championship game. I just don't want to do it. But, you know, in the past, we've had like Ohio State – be really good at basketball and football in the same year. Oh, yeah. Michigan's been able to do that, I think, at times. Yeah. Uh, Florida had a nice little run there. Of course. Where they were at both. Yep. Michigan State has been able to do it. Not like championship in football, but they've been pretty good. Like, people talk about them. And Wisconsin did it one year. Where there was Wisconsin the right four, there? I think they went to the Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So, we've had teams do that. Yeah. Right? Uh, who Like, Baylor is actually, like, maybe on that list. Yeah. In in terms of what do you of both? I mean, like like obviously football now is not very good. Yeah, yeah. But Baylor yeah. could be in that conversation where they've built their program on the football side or where they had built it to where they they built it now on the uh, basketball side. I'll tell you a team that's sneaky in this this conversation is uh, Houston, mm-hmm. who's good and has had a year or two in football, not consistently, yep. but they've had a year or two. Uh, in in football, I'll tell you who's now building the football side. To your point, um, is is North Carolina. True. I mean, you can True. make the case that North Carolina is having better years in football, football yeah. than they are in basketball. Yeah. So that intrigues me. But the other part of that is a team like Indiana, where when mm-hmm. you say Indiana Hoosiers, you think basketball. Yeah. And they yet feel like they're off the map. It's insane. They, they, they just don't See, feel like they've been on the map. To me, the Indiana Hoosiers of basketball were like the Texas Longhorns were of football. That's a Vince good Young comparison. Because, like, you get, good like, comparison. yeah, I understand Texas, they have a lot of universities. You got TCU, you got Baylor, you got A&M. But, like, to me, like, it's always about hook em horns, you know? And when they had their fallout and everything and they started to struggle, like, I just, I never foresaw that happen. I thought Texas would always be a powerhouse. Well, the same thing with Indiana. Like, I've, I've played basketball tournaments in Indiana and AAU, and, like, that state is just different. Like, you go to Indiana, and it's basketball oh, yeah. over everything, man. Like, it, it's super hard to explain. Like, if you're in Indiana, you grow up playing basketball. If you play football, well, best of luck to you. So it is shocking to see year after year after year how they can't be competitive, how they've kind of, you know, lost the recruiting battles, kind of like Texas did. There was a time when Texas was the place to be, just like there was a time when Indiana was the powerhouse to be at. And it just kind of faded away. Well, and, and it's like I uh, was saying earlier in the about like the good in football, good in basketball. Like the re- where I was going with that is Alabama might now be getting into that. Yeah. Like because now like basketball is a thing. Yep. At Alabama, but if you go down, it's really interesting. Michigan basketball better than Michigan football. Correct. Baylor basketball better than Baylor football, even though they had some nice runs. Yeah. Illinois basketball better than Illinois football, although that's been the case for a long time. Mm-hmm. Iowa. No doubt. Well, uh, it's basketball or football? <laughs> I think no, basketball. Seriously. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think Iowa's gone to that next threshold. No, they haven't. I mean, they, they played solid competitive football, but I, I agree. Okay. McCaffrey's done a good job there. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia. They've had more success recently, it feels like, in basketball. True. They have football. Uh, Ohio State has the nice duo thing going. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Especially this year. They took a few years off from the hoops thing, mm-hmm. but now they're back. Alabama's in the conversation. Uh, Houston is, I think, a nice story in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Florida State, they got to get the football side back. They're <laughs> yeah. a basketball school right now. Uh, Arkansas, way more of a basketball school, although I think that's been the case at times over the course of history, too. Texas. Definitely better in basketball. They're 15th yeah. in the country in basketball. They're not 15th in the country in football. No, no. Despite every single year, expectations being high, they never really seem to meet them. So, anyway. I double I mean, dog dare you to say that in the Texas high school, though. Yeah, well, th- but that's the reality. Listen, you don't. It, it's not a lie, and it's just telling the truth on where the football program has been at Texas. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so I well, think that's what you're a seeing wild in that case, though, you're, you're seeing the evolution of the culture in that because for so long, and even then at the fundamental level, they're still predominantly considered in the one thing. And now you're looking at them, and it's undeniable that that metric has shifted. But how do you adapt that uh, that modern thinking to that legacy, or does this become the new legacy? Yeah. Well, it, it is, see, I, I just feel like with te- the Texas Longhorns, like yeah, they they were known for so long, but then all of a sudden you had other like, you had other possibilities. You had these high powered offenses in the Big Twelve, and then all of a sudden it was about Texas Tech, and then it was about TCU, and then it was about Baylor, and then all of a sudden you saw like, and I compared it to Florida State a little bit. Now Florida State's starting to come back in the recruiting chill in football, but like Texas for whatever reason it just stopped being cool. Like it, it wasn't the university to be at anymore, which is crazy to me because. I felt like Vince Young, when, when when they played USC, they put him on the map. But for whatever reason, guys are more uh, appealing to TCU and other schools like that, even though they're smaller and less recognized, guys wanted to go there. Well, and Matthew McConaughey's trying, but he can only do so much by himself. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> hey, hey, one last thing about this kind of conversation. I thought we'd talk about it more down the road, but heck, we're talking about it. The I still like the idea that college basketball – Loves their blue bloods, loves these big schools, but welcomes in the Loyola Chicago's, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The Creightons of the world, who now have become more stars. Wichita State's, the Houston, all the, these teams. Butler. Butler over mm-hmm. the years. Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. <laughs> yeah. College football doesn't like those schools. They don't. They no. don't like them well. They don't welcome them to the party. In fact, they're trying to do more and more to get them out of the party sure. and anything they can do to push them away. College basketball says, come on. Yeah, you're a part of us. You're a part of our story, mm-hmm. right? You're a part of the reason people like our sport. Um, I like that. <laughs> no, for sure. I still think Cinderella could exist in some cases in college football mm-hmm. if they would allow it. I think the UCFs of the world could be Cinderellas. Yeah. Boise State has been Cinderella, yeah. but they don't want it. They no. just don't want to put their arms around it where college basketball has. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's they, a different they, landscape. I get it, but it they is. have. Uh, no, they absolutely embrace it. I remember, like, the, the whole George Mason mania that, uh, I forgot, like, what year that even was. I remember being a kid and George Mason was a talk of absolutely. the town. You know, like, it seems we like, love that. it Shoot seems like college man, basketball I mean, relies on that. Well, 1987, no, the Friars. There you go. There you go. It, it's crazy because, like, once again, we talk about college basketball, there's a lot of tradition ingrained in it. But you get the sense that with college football, it's tradition or die. In, in college basketball, 
tradition's important, but you're always on to the next thing, and you want to always see the new thing. And that's why I think that's where it's different in terms of tradition. You know what's crazy about it? It kind of goes full circle in this yeah. conversation, at least the last few minutes, is it really comes back to the state of Indiana, yeah. and probably the movie Hoosiers. Yeah. is the, the embracing of that movie, that concept, that idea of hoops, of basketball, yeah. is so welcomed in the tournament and, and in the sport of college hoops. True. And... I think that's part of the reason. Like, Cinderella is an important part of the story yeah. of college basketball. It's not an important part well, of the story I mean, of Brent, college football. But, but have you seen The Longest Yard? Have you seen The Little Giants, though? The annexation of Puerto Rico? There's some underdog stories in football as well. Uh, they don't like it. No, for sure. <laughs> the old sure. guard doesn't well, I'm like gonna be it. Honest, maybe comparing The Longest Yard to tradition, you know, not the best idea, but it is what it is. Hey, you uh, ready? You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> you ready to answer the phone, uh, Scott? Hit me. We're going to go with a giveaway here to the Players' Championship. Shop and eat the players' way. Here you go. $25 gift card to the PGA Tour Fan Shop. $20 to ABBQ uh, session. One session, that is. Uh, one $20 V-Pizza gift card. One $20 Hoptinger gift card. So that prize pack is going to you. If you are caller number five, nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one, nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one, caller number five, winner of the Shop and Eat the Players Way prize pack, courtesy of the Players Championship here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. It's one week away. We'll take a break. More football talk when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. I like this beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like perfect. Was, uh, what are you was, keep uh, looking no, at? Th- th- I think that beat was on my head for a second. Really? It just flew, yeah. Flew over there. We got a little hornet. A little hornet action. Because then I, I kind of like swipe something off, and then I see it like fly in my vision. I'm like, oh. Taking the whole promotional stinger to the next level. Hey, no kidding, man. You're hanging out in my head a little bit. Now, okay. listen, you're, you're the one told me I learned. If you're not scared of the bee, the bee won't oh, come get you, right? Check this out. Can are we, we going about? Are we going we about time? to go to a bee segment so, here? And I forgot who this was a while ago. Somebody actually requested if I give a, a you know a killer hornet update or a, a murder. A, yeah, murder. I'm sorry. Oh, same. I mean, same thing. Killer I murder. Mean, come on. Are you afraid of a killer hornet or are you afraid of a murder hornet? You know what? I am. I am afraid of a first degree murder hornet. I really am <laughs> a, a lot more. First degree. A first degree murder. murder. <laughs> Premeditated <laughs> murder hornet. <laughs> murder hornet. If you want to watch. Elongated a little bit. So check this out. So we haven't heard a lot of, of the, the murder hornets lately, right? Really I mean, but let's be honest. There's been a lot of stuff going on, right? COVID, aliens, and murder hornets going to get pushed to the back burner a little bit. I forgot who the guy was that reached out to me. I apologize. I forgot your name, man. But he's like, hey, Train, we need an update on the murder hornets. <laughs> well, here we go right here. Check this out. So as far as like in the north it's concerned, like in places like Wisconsin where it's like, extremely cold right now, the murder hornets haven't had an effect on the bee population, at least according to like beekeepers around that area, right? So the, the the Midwest, for the most part, with the cold temperatures, it's doing fine. But keep in mind, like where these bees came from, right? We're talking Asia and everything. There's and remember how I said when I first broke down murder hornets that sometimes nature finds a way to combat itself, and you gotta be careful what you throw in the mix in terms of like things that you make in a lab yes. because it always overcorrects itself. Well, check out what bees are doing now. So honeybees in Asia somehow have it ingrained in them now that they're actually going to, like, farms. And you know how bees are programmed to to bring back pollen, right? Because the pollen makes the honey and all this stuff. Well, now the bees are going to farms and bringing back manure. And what they do with the manure is they, they stack it outside of their hive. 
And for whatever reason, this keeps the murder hornets away. So bees in Asia right now are taking manure, posting it outside their beehives, and the murder hornets are attacking them. And that's kind of like the breaking stuff that's happening right now in murder hornet country. So the question remains, can the bees over here adapt and do the exact same thing? How crazy is that? You know what I really want to say right now? What's up, man? I think you're full of... (laughs) No, look it up. (laughs) Look it up. I'm telling you guys, look it up. Look it up I right know. now. Yeah. No, 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 I got you. Oh, it's, like, it's like how he was manure, by the way. That was very Real good classy. Yeah, right? that's, Real classy. That's what you call a foul solution. <laughs> I'm uh, real professional It is amazing. It. We bring in Action News Jack's Tanika Hughes right now. Oh, wow. And there's no, no way. She's coming on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 in between shows on CBS 47 and Fox 30 and thinks she's going to be listening to an update on murder hornets. I do what I, I can. I can top that. <laughs> Listen, this is the bee man over here. I mean, there are lessons to be learned from Austin Lane when it comes to bees. He knows his bees. You better believe it. Well, you know what? That's I will use this as a segue because, you know, I think they teach that to new folks in college. So this year, the summer learning program for the Jacksonville Public Library, the theme is Tales and Tales. So it's all about animals. So maybe we can just get them to do a feature on bees. And insects while they're at it. So. I, I like that. I'm not mad at and that. And you should be a special guest, Austin. Okay. I could talk some I bees. I think that would be great. Uh, when Don't is scare the, the kids. No, nah, yeah. <laughs> Too late. Too late. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this beard, Tanika? Come on now. Hey, when's, the, when's the last time we did a story on a murder hornet on Action News Jax? We did talk about them when, you know, the pandemic first hit because people were like, oh, a pandemic. Wait, murder hornet. So I do remember doing some a few short little stories on them, but I don't think they ever made it here. I didn't think. No, I don't think so either. It, they, yeah. it seemed yeah. like the story kind of disappeared for a while, and that's kind of that's why somebody asked Austin for an update. Yeah. See, we get these kind of questions. We don't get like who's going to win tonight. We get B update <laughs> questions. Now that they pop back up, it's your fault, man. <laughs> it is on you. Thanks. Uh, hey, Tanika's joined us. Uh, which, uh, by the way, we like talking sports with Tanika Hughes too. But right yeah. now, we're talking about reading Tanika's books for kids campaign over the next couple of weeks. How's it going so far? Well, we just kicked it off on March the 1st, and it's going to run through March 12th, and so far, so good. But, you know, Brent, we did have to take things virtual because of the pandemic. So we just made a couple of changes this year, really pushing people to do what they've been doing all pandemic, buy online. Just So buy your books online, and you can also make a donation directly to the Jacksonville Library Foundation, which supports summer learning. You can do it all online, and we made it just really easy to do. Obviously, you're real passionate about it. Uh, what, what's what's the inspiration for you, other than maybe the obvious, that over the years you've become so passionate about getting books in kids' hands? Well, you know, um, I am from a little small town in North Carolina. I'm a country girl. I think we had like one stoplight in my town. And for me, I was really fortunate that I had books at home. I was raised by my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother, and my aunt was a teacher and librarian. So I had access to all kind of books, um, a full set of the World Book Encyclopedia. I'm aging myself because I think yeah. most kids think, you mean Wikipedia? No. No. Books, encyclopedia. <laughs> and so, like, childcraft books and Curious George and all kind of books at home, right? So I would just read, and it would just open my mind to how big the world really was. And that's when I kind of started really imagining what I wanted for myself in life. And I come from an environment, and, and we come from very humble beginnings. Right now, the median income in my town is $20,000 a year. And my family also was one of those families who struggled to make ends meet. So paying for college and just having these big aspirations to be a journalist wasn't something that 
was a clear and easy path for me. But reading is what just kind of set my mind on that path. It helped me to excel in school and to go on to be able to get full academic scholarships to go to college, to major in mass communications, to get my master's in journalism. And for almost 20 years now, I've been living my dream. But that started with me getting my hands in a book. And so for me, it's personal. I understand the impact of it. And, and, and you know, you guys are parents. Um, studies show kids who have books at home, they spend longer times in space. They spend more years in school. They're able to complete more years in school. Mm. They're able to have stronger reading skills. So it affects so many parts of their lives. And so for me, that's why I want to give back because I know the real impact that reading can have. Well, you've done a great job with it uh, and uh, keep up the good work. And I always say when we talk to kids or we go to classes and we read, I mean, in our job, we read every night. We read yeah. off that teleprompter, do. right? There's um, nothing you can do that you don't read. If you want to be a chef, you will have to read. Uh, yeah, Austin, you know, how do you know what you're doing on the field? You have to know how to read plays. You, you want to be a rapper it. or a musician, you got to be able to read. It affects every part of our lives. No doubt about it. Uh, Tanika's Books for Kids Virtual Book Drive. We'll share some of the uh, the information that includes the QR code as well, but you can check it out on actionnewsjacks.com and follow Tanika on, on Twitter and Instagram and all the rest, and you can get it there as well. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, hope it goes well all the way through March 12th. Thank you so much. Hey, and if you want to buy a book for kids about bees and hornets, you can do that, too. So there, I love it. Fans. There it is. <laughs> That's it. We're going to do I'm that. I'm going to have to buy some books about bees and hornets, man. Cause, <laughs> Please. Hey, we, Brent, I'm going to tell you, they're fascinating insects. They certainly fascinating are. creatures. All right. Thanks, Tanika. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, watch Tanika and John tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30, coming up at 5 o'clock. That's a good idea. Let's we do need it, to man. donate a bee Let's book. Let's do it. Well, I mean, assuming they're up to date, because like I said, I mean, there, there's breaking news every single day now in the Murder Hornet, you know, gallery here. So I love it. Like I don't think people um, understand the bee knowledge. Like they really have to go back and to the origins of your bee yeah. knowledge is incredible. Well, um, and one last thing about the books, sure, which is really cool. Like, I, I sh- shared a picture the other day because about a month ago, I remember Jag's Twitter, uh, Brookview Elementary, they bought all these books. There's like over 1,400 books, I think. Yeah. Jag's, and not just Jag's Twitter, but I think they were kind of the motivation for it yeah. and started spreading the word. And it just shows how the domino effect of a good thing can happen. Oh, yeah. And um, I told you recently, my mom wrote a book called Super 19. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we were able to get books in all the kindergartners' hands. That's um, awesome. Based off the inspiration of those folks that that started that campaign, yeah. and you know, hopefully we'll be able to do that more and more. It's a great idea, and Tanika obviously is inspiration for a lot of that too. So mm-hmm. um, it's cool that we have these programs around, and, and hopefully can support it. Whether it's a B book, yeah. uh, Super 19 book like Mom's yeah. writing, or any book that the kids can get their hands on, because I I wasn't that I didn't know I wasn't that aware of it. I figured there were books all over schools all the time, and yeah. I guess they're just there. There aren't. Oh, and you said it, Brent. I think every kid has a right to, to have a book in his hand, use his imagination, and go off to a new place, right? And then that's what books provide us. Whether if it's about bees or it's like the, the book that your mom wrote, um, you know, every kid deserves to have books and just you know take part in them. No doubt, uh, you should do a bee class. Yeah, I should. I, I, it's funny that you say that because, like, I grew up as a kid, and my grandma, 
and would come and like let lecture us on Beats she of would. Wrestling. Yeah. And and then, so then, like then, show and tell or, well, yeah. or just no, it was just know, like, career day or it, it, we were talking about, about insects and everything. And one day it's like, hey, Austin's grandma's here to talk. And I never knew it. So I'd be like a little embarrassed. Yeah. But then we always had ice cream and honey at the end. So like, you know, like that was kind of like the incentive. <laughs> yeah. So I was pretty pumped up about that. So it all but worked no, out. It, it all worked out in the end. But I, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that, man. Um, I, like I said, I love that insect. So it is. It's fascinating. It. Yeah. And I, we love listening to you talk about it. Yeah. So uh, a little more on the murder hornet, inspired by the hornet that is now sitting on the Jacksonville yeah. Jumbo Shrimp well, hat right and, now. And the biggest thing that I, I failed to mention as well, and if you remember our first conversation about the murder hornets, what did I talk about? I talked about how they were learning how to take care of the uh, the honeybees, were learning how to take care of the murder hornet by cooking them alive, right? Yes. And once again, that happened in Asia. Well, lo and behold, that kind of behavior has somehow found its way to the United States now. So, like... It's almost like it takes part in Asia and then it comes on its way to United States because the bees in the United States, the honeybees, in order to protect themselves, they haven't figured out how to put out like the, you know, manure quite yet. But the bees across the ocean have. And it begs the question, like, how do they communicate with each other? And I, I read it and we're getting way down the rabbit hole right now. Oh, so like, do you want to? I'm interested. Okay. You know, they so, used to say all oh, the fads and everything started in California first and yeah. worked its way east. So it's weird because I read an article, and now believe what you want here, but they compared bees to sea coral. There's different types of species of sea coral. There, there's hundreds of sea corals, right? But if you take a sea coral out of a certain ocean, and let's say you put it, so let's say you take a sea coral out of by Australia, you bring it back home, and you put it underneath your sink in a bucket of water. When that sea coral in Australia, whatever, blooms or changes colors, that that one in the bucket will also do the same thing, even though you took it out of its habitat. And there's a school of thought that thinks that even though these bees are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, there is some way, whether it's ingrained in their DNA or their genetics, where they can still communicate, not you know via like signaling, but somehow they can communicate with their DNA and say, hey, if you want to kill a murder hornet, cook it alive. Or, hey, if you want to stop a murder hornet from coming to your house or your hive, go find some manure and put it outside your beehive. Like, that's kind of the consensus right now, what they think is happening. It's unbelievable. It's wild. It's insane. And your knowledge of it continues to be unbelievable. <laughs> Why didn't they ask this on the Wonderlick? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, Tim Tebow, eat your heart out. I want to I wanna beat you by 25 points, man. We're talking Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers. We're talking Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers. I was going to say, Ryan numbers. Fitzpatrick, do you know this about sea coral yeah. and, and bees and yeah. murder hornets? No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, got to take a break. Can we come back? Uh, more football talk, <laughs> I think. Maybe. Hey, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what the interwebs say. Maybe people want to talk more bees. Today Monster. on Austin Lane's Animal Kingdom. You better believe it. Uh, from peeing in a sink to murder hornets. <laughs> Monster Jam, by the way, returns to Jacksonville at TIA Bank Field Saturday, March 6th, and Sunday, March 7th. That's this coming weekend. Tickets start just $20, but you can win yours from ESPN 690. Go to the contest page on ESPN690.com for your chance to win. ESPN690.com, your chance to win tickets to Monster Jam this weekend at TIA. Bankfield. We'll be right back. Hey, let's do another giveaway. What do you think? Giving everything away today. Bee knowledge, murder hornet knowledge. Coral. Coral knowledge. We're supposed to talk sports. We got no knowledge there. 
Nah, we talked to Sean Watson a little bit. We did. That was heated. We, oh, we almost got in a fight, Brent. We did. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Careful right now, because I'm, I'm in a fight camp mode, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm hey, and I'm getting ready. And this is your word, taper. So taper. Just be careful. Mind Taper's your p's and q's around me. Taper can be a good week. I'm just saying, mind your p's and q's around me right now. I've been tapering for years. Yeah. I'm gonna need to start. <laughs> I'm gonna need to start taking the athlete side a little more here, bro. Uh, for your okay. sake. Okay. It's a smoothie king. Day here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Smoothie King, our restaurant of the day. And with that comes a giveaway. How about a $25 gift card to Smoothie King? Nine locations, Jacksonville, two locations in St. Augustine. How about be caller number two right now? 904-362-9901. 904-362-9901. And uh, you get yourself a $25 gift card to Smoothie King. Shred your goals this year with a new Metabolism Boost Banana Passion Fruit Smoothie from Smoothie King. Only 240 calories, 14 grams of protein per 20 ounces. Go check it out at SmoothieKing.com. Pick up or delivery any of the Jacksonville area locations. Smoothie King rule the day. UNF Ospreys, A-Sun Tournament. They lose in the opening round. They went dry for eight minutes. Yeah. Don't score a bucket in eight minutes and therefore lose by eight, 68 to 60 to North Alabama. It's always disappointing to lose in the first round. I, Ospreys, I don't know in full honesty if they were good enough to win this thing. I mean, of course, you can always pull upsets. They certainly were not the prohibitive favorite. Um, and it's really hard to tell what they were because they didn't play a lot over the last four to six weeks because of COVID. So one of those wacky seasons, and I think – JU not being able to participate tells that story. UNF with just not a lot of games in the last month and a half uh, tells a little bit of that story. They lose to North Alabama. The A-Sun tournament does go on over the next couple of days, and they'll crown a champ on Sunday. You know, we talked about this with, with Coach a little bit, but UNF's a really young team, right? Like yeah. you know, They had to replace a lot of guys, yes. and obviously this year with the pandemic and not being a lot of games, I mean, I felt like you lose the chemistry a little bit, especially with such a young team. It can hurt you. Yeah, I, I think – Youth is part of it. I think they're going to be good. Uh, this is kind of the replenish cycle, if you will, for, for UNF. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's hard to tell what they are and who they were because we just didn't have enough of a sample size, especially in the last six weeks where you're hoping to play your better ball. Uh, UNF didn't get a lot of a chance to, to do that. So, um, Osprey's fall. By the way, St. John's Country Day, they're going for uh, boys and girls state championships in soccer. The boys are down one to nothing at halftime. Marcel Robinson down there will keep you posted on that score. Uh, we will take a break here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. we got an hour to go. Football at 5 coming up. Here's what I want to know. We talked about Big Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yeah. Are there some quarterbacks or teams with quarterbacks that they should move on and you're you're like, why aren't they moving on yet? I've got one in particular that, with all the rumors on quarterbacks, why aren't we hearing this guy's name this offseason? It's somewhat surprising. Okay. That and angry fans. Mm. You talk murder hornets, I talk angry fans. Let's get it. When we come back, football at 5 on the way on ESPN 690.